Thanks for checking out the Lakeshore Podcast. If this is your first time listening with us, we want you to know God loves you. We want for your hope in Jesus to be renewed and for your faith to come to life. Wherever you are joining us from, we hope this message encourages you. Psalm 23 is one of the most popular passages of Scripture of the Bible around the entire world and has been for, I mean, for I don't know how long, my lifetime for sure, uh, which, which makes it also one of the most read, one of the most memorized one of the most recited, one of the most rehearsed, and, and, and therefore one of the most recognized passages of the Bible, again, around the whole world, which when you're talking about that sounds like a wonderful thing, right? That sounds good, right? Everybody knows the 23rd Psalm. But, but in many ways, there's some opposite effects that can happen. And these are just as obvious if you're looking because people become so accustomed to hearing it They become so used to just kind of quoting it that they forget, or in parenthesis, maybe have never learned in the first place, just how real 23rd Psalm was meant to be. That that it's a real life application. It's not just a poetic, you know, kind of a religious notion. It's not something just for thought and encouragement and inspiration. This was actually written, and it has one of the most powerful messages in a succinct form that we can find in the Bible. And and I'm not just saying, you know, that some people are guilty. It doesn't matter where you're at in your journey. You can be guilty. I think about one of the times in my life when we were in a very challenging season. And Debbie and I were, were trusting the Lord, we're hearing from the Lord. We stepped out of local church and we moved into a position that we knew the Lord was opening up for us, although we couldn't understand why, uh, at our Christian university. And I was part of the staff, the administration there. I was a dean of students and over student affairs and then moved up into the administration to help uh, to do some things to help uh, continue to, to shape and strengthen that university. But the whole time, I was so confused inside, and not just to myself. I would talk to my wife about it. I certainly would talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm a local church guy. In my heart, man, I'm a pastor. You called me to be in the local church. Why am I here in the world of academia? And, And the Lord kept bringing me back almost every single time to Psalm 23. Every single time, Psalm 23, particularly the first couple of verses, Psalm 23, where he leads me uh, in, by the still waters. He puts me in the tall grass. And, and I, would, I mean, I would just verbally just tell him, Lord, I appreciate that, but uh, I don't want the Bible verse on the nursery wall, right? I need something good. I need something meaty. I need something that has substance to it. And unfortunately for me, I went the whole three years and not like the Lord didn't encourage me and, and inspire me and give me insight in other directions. But I went the whole three years and it wasn't until we actually made a transition back into local church that Psalm 23 finally clicked. And I thought the Lord was trying to tell me, hey, I'm, I'm pulling you over for a stretch here because I need you to rest. I need you to replenish. I need you to reboot. I need to realign your systems on the inside so I can take you back to where you're called. But right now, man, you're fried. You've got so many things buzzing around. You came out of a hard season. You need some time to just take it all in and listen to me before we get up and get going on the journey again. I don't know why I couldn't hear that. But part of the reason was because this had become so familiar to me that I had lost its relevance and I would lost its power. And so even though 
one of, even though Psalm 23 is one of maybe the most popular passage of, of the scriptures around the world, it's also one of the ones that are the most unappreciated and the most unengaged. Again, we read it for inspiration. Some of us might have learned to pray it kind of as a prayer, and we just kind of recite it. But nothing explodes on the inside. It, it's not relevant to us. We know about the shepherd, but it never really registers, no, he actually is shepherding our lives. He's actually walking us step by step, no matter what's happening in the world, whether we're, we happen to be parked by a pristine pool and, and lush tall, we're living in rich grass, or, or we're on a pathway to righteousness, moving in his destiny, or we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. It doesn't matter. The shepherd step by step is leading us, and that reality is lost on so many Christians. We don't look to this to say, this actually is what's happening, and yet, in a world that's growing more filled with anxiousness and chaos and disorientation in just about every area, in the economy, in the political unrest, in the global tension that's happening, in the moral decay that's happening around the world. And I'm just ashamed and sad to say this, but in the church, big C, even the church is, is fragmenting and coming apart and arguing about who God is and what God actually said and what's the right way to live. See, when we're living in that kind of a world, listen, we need to know I don't just mean intellectually, we need to know down in our, in our guts, in our spirit, it's a good thing we have a shepherd. Good thing we have someone we can follow step by step. Every single day, he will whisper. Every single day, he will nudge. Every single day, he will move us into the right paths so we can navigate the craziness and we can follow the destiny God has for us and experience all he has. This was the intention by the Lord. And so we're going to do a little three-part study, and we're going to dive back into the scriptures. It won't be as comprehensive as I like, but hopefully comprehensive enough that will inspire you to lean back into some of the points that we'll only, uh, we'll only touch and to be able to glean from that. But what we're hoping to do, what I'm praying, what the teaching team and I want to do is to make sure that we are bringing the life of God back to Psalm 23 so that not only will you recognize but you'll begin to engage the powerful promises that are in this little simple passage. This thing is power packed. And so today we're gonna to talk about the fact that the Lord actually is our shepherd. And I thought this would be appropriate, right? Some of you can, can quote it depending on translations we use, but you've memorized it since you were a young child and, and you might have recited this who knows how many thousands of times. But I thought it would be appropriate if we as a congregation, we just read the whole psalm together. Now, don't panic if you're not familiar with it. It's six verses, right? Not super long, okay? So we're going to read the whole psalm together. It's going to be up on the screen. But I want you to read it loud, and I want you to read it proud that this is God's promise and declaration to us, all right? If you're familiar, this is New King James Version, so if you happen to memorize it there and you just want to close your eyes and quote it and let it soak in, be my guest. But if you need to look at the screen because you've memorized a different version or a lot of people have several versions that are kind of all, you know, all mushed together uh, so that we can stay in unity on track, let's everybody read together. All right, we're beginning at verse number one. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. 
He leads me in the path of righteousness for his namesake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If you were to kind of step back and take an overview of Psalm 23, you will find three different lenses all at the same time. And it's great because you can shift and you can get one view and then another view and they're all just very complementary to each other, but they help us in different aspects of our life. So the first one, when you look at Psalm 23 from verse one all the way to the end of verse six, it represents a lifelong journey for a believer. Psalm 23 talks about this progression that every believer has, starting with the new birth. When you become just a little lamb in in God's, God's flock, and you're born again, all the way through the growing and maturing in Christ, to learning to walk through challenging and dangerous situations, to learning to be uh, educated and instructed and sometimes disciplined by, by the shepherd so that you can live a life that overcomes You can live a life that's confident you are going to reach your destiny. You're going to be everything that God ever designed you to be through his power, through his word, and through the leading of his Holy Spirit. And all the way to verse number six, where it shows us that will never stop until one day as a believer, you step into eternity and you not only live in the presence of God forever, you live in the fullness of the promise of God. You begin to experience, oh, I thought the promise meant this. I didn't know it meant that. And we're going to actually experience that. That's Psalm 23. But if you kind of take a second look, Psalm 23 also gives you and I a day-to-day perspective. And it shows us what it looks like to follow the shepherd as day by day, season by season, challenge by challenge, he leads us and feeds us and protects us and preserves us as we're walking through life in a fallen world. Stuff is not perfect, and it is falling apart and spinning out of control, and yet the shepherd says, you let me worry about that. I'll walk you right in the middle of this shadow of death and all, and I'll get you back to the house, and I'll get you to the place where you can experience God's goodness. But the third one then gets even more personal, because it's not just looking at what the shepherd does or what he promises to do. But when you look at what he does and what he promises, you can see the actual heart of the shepherd himself. And you begin looking through and and realizing that the leading and the feeding and the protecting and the preserving aspects uh, are not just responsibilities that the shepherd fulfills, but instead they're actually showing us the characteristics or who this shepherd actually is, which helps us to realize he doesn't just do these things because he's a great shepherd. But it's because he's a great shepherd that he does this. In, in other words, we, we can begin looking and realizing he, he's not just performing things, but, but this is who he is, and because of who he is, he promises this is how I'll respond. And we know he'll respond that way, not just because it's his duty, well, that's who he is. In fact, we'll end up there today, and, and you'll see some things about it. So here's what we're going to do today. We're just going to pick this first aspect 
of, of uh, the Lord is our shepherd. And we're looking at three truths today about the Lord who really is our shepherd. If you'd like to take notes, uh, this should be in the Bible app there. Everything should be outlined for you. But if you'd like to write some stuff, uh, then here's the first one. Truth number one is we need a shepherd. Now, that's kind of antithetical to the American dream, right? Because we want to be individuals. We want to be strong. We have opportunity. We want to be self-made. And really, something inside of us says we want to get to the place where we don't need anybody. We can stand on our own two feet. That's actually a value, a measurement of whether or not we are strong, capable, mature, independent people. And yet the Bible says very clearly, we desperately need a shepherd. This is talking from the God who designed and created us. So he's not anticipating education and background and maturity and, and you know, and, and opportunity. And he just says, listen, across the board, the way that we're designed and wired, we need a shepherd. In fact, when you look through the Old Testament and the New Testament, the relationship of God in a common analogy that joins both of these periodic uh, 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 tellings, these testaments, we find out that consistently God describes himself as our shepherd and the fact that we are his sheep. Let me give you one example, but there's many. Psalm 95 verse six says, oh, come let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker for or because he is our God and we are the people of his pasture, leaning towards the metaphor, and then he finishes off, and the sheep of his hand. Other translations say we are the sheep that's underneath his care. Pastor and author uh, Jimmy Evans uh, expounds on this, and he talks about some of the nuances of sheep, and uh, I'll just condense it into this, to, uh, into this form. There's three things, three reasons why sheep need a shepherd. Number one, because sheep can't navigate. Now, as much as we think we can, you might be able to navigate things that can be seen, things that can be forecasted, but none of us really know what's really going to happen. God does. But we can't really navigate life's situations. In fact, Jimmy Evans points out, that's why you never, you never hear tell of any homing sheep. There are none. Take them five miles away from home, they'll never find their way back. Because they have no ability to navigate, neither do we. The second thing is because sheep can't bear burdens. They're not created with the strength in, in, their, in their physical makeup to put large packs on their back. Again, Jimmy Evans points out, you'll never hear of a pack sheep. They don't exist. And the third one is because sheep can't protect themselves. They're very vulnerable creatures. Very vulnerable creatures. And Jimmy Evans points out, that's why you'll never hear of anyone owning an attack sheep. They're just not wired like that, right? But again, all of these things are kind of antithetical to who we think we'd like to be. But God brings us back and say, in the natural, we can develop skills and strengths and we can hone some of these areas, but really at our core and when considering the grand scheme of life, not just ours, but the legacy that, that we'll leave, the generations that will follow us, we can't do any of these. We're not competent. We need a shepherd to lead and to feed and protect and preserve us. Otherwise, we will inevitably perish. In fact, this is what Isaiah 53 is talking about. Listen to what it says. It says, all we like sheep have gone astray. And I love how the Bible uses these all-encompassing terms, right? So it doesn't say, there's a great many of, or some of you as sheep, every single one of us. 
Not any one of us can sit here and say, you know, I've never missed it. You know, I've always done the right things with the right attitude and the right thought process and the right heart and the right outcomes in mind. Not any single one of us can do that. And by the way, you don't have to look back very far to say, where did I miss it? Try yesterday. <laughs> Try this morning on the way to church, right? Try last week if you're really, you know, living a pious and a mature life. But every single one of us have fallen short. And it goes, to say, it goes on to say, we've turned, we've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Some translations expand that for clearer understanding and say, uh, but in order to rescue us, the Lord laid on the great shepherd. The Lord laid on the servant we would later know in the New Testament as Jesus, the iniquity or the sins of us all. In fact, this is also the essence of another popular passage in the Bible, John 3, 16, where it says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Why would he do that, verse 17, for or because God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. It's the Greek word sozo, rescued, not just for eternity by salvation of sins, but rescued in every single area. Be able to navigate life and to live in a fallen world and to prosper and to, to achieve destiny and to, to set up generations so they can continue to walk in the blessing of the Lord. All that's contained in that word. Verse 18 goes on and tells us, he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe in him is condemned already. Why is that? Well, because all of we like sheep have gone astray because we follow our own ways. God has a great idea, but we're like, yeah, but you know what I was thinking? Uh, in, in this particular season, someday I'm gonna get there and I'm really gonna commit. But right now, there's just some things that I've gotta navigate. And I think the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to every one of us. But when we take our own way, it always ends up in destruction. Maybe in the one thing we were trying to accomplish, maybe we do brilliantly there, only to turn around and look that the rest of our life is shattered. The rest of our lives has been sacrificed to accomplish that one thing that we thought all of it was. Only the shepherd can lead us all the way. So he says, if we don't believe, we're condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Something else that's really interesting in, in these passages we've read is the fact that God doesn't insert himself. That God doesn't walk in, which he could do because he's God. He's the owner, he's the creator, he's the sovereign ruler of everything and everybody, and he could just step in and say, I'm God, I'm in charge, everybody sit down and let me tell you what to do. But God doesn't insert himself like that, instead, he offers himself. He comes and says, hey listen, th this is what I'm offering you, this is what I would like to be, and that's important because the Psalm 23 introduces him as a shepherd, listen, not a sheep herder. And there's a big difference here, right? Shepherds get in front of the sheep. Shepherds get acquainted with the sheep. Shepherds develop trust and, and understanding with the sheep so that shepherds can lead them sensitively, step by step, into whatever scenario and wherever they need to go. Sheep herders get behind the sheep. And they begin to look for ways to herd them and, and, and corral them and to drive them forward towards a destination. And in fact, this is exactly what Jesus was referring to in Matthew chapter 9. 
It says that in verse 35 that Jesus went about all the cities and villages, listen to this, teaching in their synagogues. So these were religious-minded people. These were people that were going to church, people that were listening to the teachings of the day, that were following the systems they were supposed to. He said he went about teaching in all the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, but when he saw the multitudes, plural, place after place, he kept going. Place after place, he would see the multitude. Notice, he was moved with compassion for them because they were exhausted. They were weary and they were scattered. Here's, here's the, the, the connection for the day. Like sheep having no shepherd. Jesus noticed something in, in setting after setting after setting after setting. They had religious teaching. But the religious leaders were driving them into submission driving them into the rules and the regulations and and these are the things you need to do or else God's gonna get you and the religious leaders were driving them but Jesus said, listen, we don't need a sheep herder, we need a shepherd. We need someone who's gonna step in and to lead them into relationship and you know that's still true today. You can meet a lot of people and they will tell you, oh yeah, I'm a Christian. Yeah, I go to church every Sunday and this church and that church and I'm not criticizing churches but you begin to find out that they are caught up in a religion that drives them into a certain way of thinking, a certain legalistic you know, mindset that we gotta do, gotta do, gotta do, or else God won't let us come to heaven. You're gonna find out that Jesus leads people into relationship. And yes, there are principles. Yes, there are things. Yes, the time, there's times our Heavenly Father, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, chapter 12 may even lean in and bring correction. Sometimes Hebrews 12 shows us he might even give you a slot. But it's because he loves you. It's because the relationship's moving forward because he's trying to lead you and move forward. And this is why it's really important that we come to grips with the fact, not just in a poetic way, not just in an inspirational way, not in a way where we can look at, you know, recite the 23rd Psalm and say, oh yeah, boy, that actually makes no logistical sense or there's a rationale there. We need to come to grips and understand we as individuals in our real time, everyday relevant life, we are desperate for a shepherd because we can't navigate our own life. Not saying you can't navigate certain aspects of it, but you don't understand the whole journey that's before you because you can't see what's gonna happen. You you don't understand who you're going to be. In five years, you'll be a completely different person than you are now. Different values, different, different makeup on the inside, things you've learned and experienced will come into play. God knows that the footsteps of the righteous, the Bible said, have already been ordered by the Lord before you were even thought of. God called your name and wrote your destiny, Ephesians 1 says. And so he can lead you in that, but we can't navigate life. Not only that, we can't bear our own burdens. There are points where life becomes way too heavy. Some people just literally collapse under the weight. Other people start looking for hiding places. You look for medications of sorts. You look for things that are little escape hatches that will take you out of the pressure just for a moment, even though you know the moment the moment's over, you've got to step back into this and the full weight's going to land on you again. We can't have it. We can't bear our own burdens. And we certainly can't protect ourselves strong enough from the dangers that lie in living in a fallen world. We can't do it. But the shepherd can. And he steps up and he says, listen, I will be your shepherd. 
The big question is whether or not we understand that enough to be able to say, please, please, we need you, and to begin to learn to follow the shepherd. Here's truth number two. Truth number two, the Lord is our shepherd. And I want you to catch the emphasis on the word Lord. Because when we read verse one that says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, we, we really have to understand the word Lord there, uh, the Lord, those two words, is one word in the Hebrew, it's Jehovah, with a capital J, by the way, because consistently, this is the proper name in the Old Testament for the one true God. And it's important we stop and acknowledge that, right? That probably doesn't sound like, yeah, we didn't see that. No, we knew that. It was obvious in the text. But it's important that we realize because we're not dealing with a shepherd who's just really strong or who's just really resourceful or really wise or really experienced. Listen, we're not talking about a top shelf, the top shelf leader. We're talking about God. This is the all-knowing, the all-sovereign God. This is the one who the Bible says his arm is never short. His resources never, never end up just before. He's got abundantly, not only that, but he's the one who's ever present. He's the designer and therefore knows everything about everything better than everybody else. And the Bible says not only that, but he again, he's the ruler, the one in charge. The Bible says that he's the one that turns situations and circumstance to make them go wherever he wants them to go. This is the God that we serve. This is the one who says, yeah, I'll be your shepherd. But not only that, we go on and we find out that this God who we tend to think of living way up there, and he does, by the way, but he's also right here with us. He says he's our shepherd. Literally, this refers to an occupation of someone who owns or at least leads and feeds and guides and protects a flock of sheep. But this is important because it connects us to the other passages in the Bible that tells us not only is he this God, this magnificent, majestic, holy, uh, uh, a sovereign being that does live and reside in a place called heaven, but the Bible says that this God is also Emmanuel. He lives right here with us. Jesus actually declared that. The scriptures prophesy that, that he's right here with us. So when we say the Lord is our shepherd. We have to let those two ends of the spectrum come together and realize the God who created everything is the God who promised, no, you don't understand. I am right here with you every moment of every day. I'll never walk out of any situation. All you need to do is turn to your shepherd and say, I need some help right now. I need some wisdom right now. I need some strength and encouragement right now. I need to know that you know, that I know, that you know, that I know, that you can see what's coming on the horizon because I'm a little freaked out, but I need to know that you know about it and that you've made promises and you're going to make good on your promises so I can just stay steady as she goes and keep going. See, that's what a shepherd's for who happens to be God, but he's also the shepherd. Here's the last point of the day is that our shepherd is a good shepherd. There's a lot of people in Christianity who know that we need a shepherd, who know that our shepherd actually is God, but they haven't really discovered the absolute unchangeable truth that our shepherd is good. Well, well, well maybe, they, maybe they put a big broad banner good, but they don't know how to let good live down in the everyday life. And they think that God's kind of undecided right? Or God's neutral. God's mostly concerned about eternity and salvation in heaven one day. But when it comes to the everyday life, it's like, yeah, I know you're in a fallen world. That kind of stinks. I'll, I'll do some stuff sometime, but just is what it is. 
You're just going to have to figure out how to tough it out. But if you can do that, if you can tough it out, then one day it's going to be really, really good. That's contrary to Scripture, Old Testament and New Testament. And so we find out that he's not just a shepherd, he's a good shepherd. In fact, we start this understanding with John 10.10. This is with Jesus himself, who's expounding on this whole idea of shepherd and sheep. This is what he says. He said, the thief does not come except for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Stop. There's another character in this grand story, and it's the thief. We know him as the enemy. We know him as the devil. We know him as Satan, and we could go on and use some of the other terms that, uh, that you are used to reference him. But we don't often stop and realize there's another player involved here. And you have to understand at least that he exists Otherwise, everything that happens that you don't know how to navigate, you're going to attribute it to the shepherd. God, why are you doing this to me? He's not. There's a thief in the house. Someone has broken into the barrier and is wreaking havoc in your life. He's stealing from you. He's destroying things from you. He, he's trying to, to cause chaos and, and crisis in, in, in your life and in the destiny God has. And if we don't understand that, we won't recognize there's another character here. And so we won't know how to approach that, right? We'll just approach everything thinking God's the only one involved here. But Jesus said, you have to understand there's another player, and this player has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy our life. But Jesus was very clear. He said, but I didn't come to do that. I have come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Some translations, I think it's the NIV that says that you might have life and have it to the full, to the fullest potential. And he goes on, he says in the next verse, he says, I am the good shepherd and the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Another misnomer that Christians have is that somehow we're in this for the Lord. And don't get me wrong, it's a relationship. We are, right? But we don't stop to understand the Lord's given everything he can and he's in it to rescue us. He says, I'm the good shepherd and I came to give my whole life for the benefit of the sheep. Ours is kind of a second response. Do we accept the life that he's offering and then do we give our life in return to say, okay, I will then follow you? It, it's, a responsive, uh, um, it's a responsive action on our part. And so he goes on, he says this. Well, when we look at the word good, it's a really important and a special word in the Greek language. It means something superior in quality, something that is honorable in character. In fact, so superior and so honorable that it's a deserving to be not only admired, but to be copied or to be replicated or to be emulated. When you see it, you're like, you can't get any better than that. Oh my goodness, I, don't, I can't see anything. That's, I mean, that, that's the epitome. That's the picture of what that should look like. And you want to be like that. You say, okay, that's how we're gonna endeavor to live. We're following that. We're looking at that for an example. That's what this word means. And I want you to notice Jesus didn't say, I'm like a good shepherd. He said, I'm it. I am the good shepherd. And not only that, he said it repeatedly, not just once, but he said it repeatedly, starting in this, in this same passage, skip down a little bit to verse number 14. He repeats it and he says, I am the good shepherd. And notice he adds some qualifications of that. He says, and I know my sheep and I and am known by my own. 
Both the word know and known there are this Greek word that talks about to become intimately familiar with someone or something, but listen, through time spent and through personal interaction. Some of you may have a hero in history or a hero in the contemporary world today, and you may have read biographies and articles or maybe done research papers or your thesis on a particular character, and you know a lot about them. That's not the same as knowing them. But Jesus, this good shepherd, says, not only am I a good shepherd, but one of the characteristics, one of the values in my heart is to personally know through interaction and to personally be known through interaction by my sheep. I want to spend time with them. That's why he keeps going a little further down in verse 27, and he says, my sheep hears my voice. In other words, I'm talking to them. I'm personally, I'm close enough to interact with them. I mean, you can, you can sense the breath as I'm speaking. You can hear, feel the breath come out. It, it's a close proximity. He says, not only that, and I know them, which indicates there's a conversation. They know what I'm thinking. They know what I'm trying to do because I'm talking to them personally in very close proximity. And those that are engaging the conversation are talking back. And I know them too. There's this personal relationship. He goes on and he says, and they follow me as the conversation progresses. Maybe it starts out with him saying, hey, I'm going to begin to nudge you this way. Why are you doing that? That doesn't make any sense because we were already going this. I know that, but you just have to trust me because of the wisdom. And by the the way, the scripture's saying, okay, now I understand a little better, but Lord, how do I do that? I I don't have the strength. I don't have the, but I'm going to help you there too. Remember, I promised, okay, I understand that. And there's this progressive, conversation that's happening, which eventually leads to the sheep willingly, voluntarily, wholeheartedly saying, okay, I'm with you. I'm with you. But that all happened in an exchange. That didn't happen because we're just following a rule book. That didn't happen because we just show up, you know, for a message one time and feel a little inspiration. That's it. We're changing the course of our whole life. Well, praise the Lord if that happens, that's a decision. But now you get to go into the process of getting to know your shepherd and allowing the shepherd to know you and having those real-time conversations so the relationship cinches tight. And that's what allows you in times of trouble and times of crisis to have the faith and the confidence to say, I don't have to wonder whether he's going to do this or not. I know he will because we've had long conversations. We've had long times of interaction and it's sealed and seared my heart with faith and now I will follow him anywhere. And he goes on and he says, as we learn to do that, he says, and I will give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. The hand is not just the hand of believing and salvation, it's the hand of protection. It's the hand of provision. It's the hand of wisdom. It's the hand of destiny. All of those things that God promised, he said, nobody can mess up God's plan. Nobody can do that. I mean, listen, a thousand people can line up and they can all be targeting you. But listen, if you're following the shepherd, he'll walk you right through the middle of them. He'll make, take what the devil meant for evil and he'll just flip it on its head and it'll turn out for your good and give you this, this resounding testimony. But it's all putting our trust in the shepherd. Notice he said earlier, he said, and I will give them eternal life. I know that most Christians read that and they think of, yeah, one day when we get to heaven, wrong. That's just the culmination of it. But according to the word of God, the moment you got born again, you were taken out of darkness into eternal life. 
Whether you know it or not, if you've accepted Jesus, you're already living eternally right now. Right now. Now, you won't stay in this earth suit, in this body. You'll move to a different one. But all of the wonderful promises and the privileges that we, can, we, can, we will and can enjoy in the fullest extent in heaven, you have opportunity right now. Right now. And the New Testament, Old Testament and New Testament-like promises such, says that if we will walk in the commands of the Lord in Deuteronomy, you will experience days of heaven right here on the earth. Some of you are like, well, listen, you've been praying this for years in the Lord's Prayer. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done right here on earth, just like it is in heaven. You've been praying this stuff. And Jesus has been trying to get us to understand this is the result of walking with not just a shepherd, but a good shepherd, one who gives his life for the sheep, one who gives his sheep the abundance of life, one who personally knows and cares for his sheep, one who talks to the sheep, one who listens to them while they talk back to him, one who leads them and watches over them so that no one will ever lead them astray. They don't have to worry about, well, what if I don't make the right decision? If you're listening to the Lord, James chapter one says that God gives wisdom to anybody who asks. And the only thing he requires is when you ask him, don't doubt Trust his wisdom now. Trust him and follow him and you'll find out it'll lead you exactly where you're supposed to go. Now, I, I know there's probably somebody here as I bring it to a close, somebody sitting here where, okay, I get it, right? The Lord really is our shepherd. I need a shepherd. He's a good shepherd. But listen to me, you don't understand. There's no way he can be a good shepherd to me because I've still got these struggles and these weaknesses and these flaws and these embedded habits and, and I have a tendency to kind of go the wrong direction. I'll say that I'm gonna do the right thing on Sunday and I mean it with all my heart, but by the time I get to Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm already leaning back to a different direction and I've done this over and over again. There's no way he can be a good shepherd to me. Listen carefully, wrong in fact, he knew so much about us that Jesus covered this. We don't have time to study it. I wish we did. But in Luke chapter 15, Jesus gives a parable about a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. 99 of them are following him. But he's got one who's got some challenges. No, no, no real indication of outright rebellion. No real indication that this shepherd made a decision. I don't want to be part of this flock but he just has these habits that tends to keep leading him and drifting him all over the place. So much so that the shepherd gets back to the house and realizes, oh, we're missing one. So what does he do? He tucks the 99 into safety to make sure they're secure. And he goes after that one. And when he finds them, the Bible doesn't say he beats him up real good, you know, spanks him real good and says, I'll leave you here forever. Didn't I tell you this, this is the last time I'm gonna, nope. Scoops him up, takes him in his arms, walks all the way back and when he gets back, he calls all of the people that are helping him and say, listen to me, rejoice. Look who I found again. <laughs> and they do, they're so happy that, he, that they're back and Jesus just loves the sheep because this is the kind of good shepherd we are. You think I'm making this stuff up? Let me give you one more scripture. Paul touched on it in a profound way. This happens to be one of favorite scriptures and I'm, I would be embarrassed to tell you how much I have to call it to mind. But listen to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13 says, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Other translations say because he can't stop being who he is. 
I can't tell you how many times that I had to go to the Lord and say, I did it again. I know like Paul said in Romans chapter seven, I promise you, I will never do that again. I did it again. And if I'm being totally honest, I liked it. But here I am, Lord. I know I shouldn't. I know you're trying to get me to do this and I need you. And even in those times when I'm faithless, the Holy Spirit, through the, the good shepherd and the Holy Spirit comes and says, I'm still your good shepherd. And he picks me up and he cleans me up and he says, okay, let me show you some things here and we're gonna try this again. And he just does. His mercy endures forever. That's the good shepherd. I can't help but think that there might be some people here that as we're listening, the Holy Spirit's been talking to you, the good shepherd's edging up on you when you're not expecting it and kind of touching you here and touching you there. And either you saw some good insights here and there or this whole lesson's just unfolding. And you're like, man, I, 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 I need that. I can feel everything inside calling me to that. You might be here this morning and you've never accepted the Lord and you need to be part of his flock. Listen to me, I'm not saying that you should be. I'm saying you need to be part of his flock, not for religious reasons, but because this is real. Heaven's real. So is the other place. The world is crazy and chaotic, but you have a shepherd who says, but I got you. But you have to engage that, you have to respond. So you might be here, you never accepted the Lord, and I would do everything I can to convince you that today's your day. Try the good shepherd. Let him be God to you and find out how he will radically change and transform your life. Some of you have been saved for years and years but never really clued into this or somehow drifted like like I've done before and say, I need to come back and sharpen that up. I need to come back and let him begin to live in me. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do today. And there's one other group that kind of all of us in some way, shape, or form fits in. And that is the fact that we're parents and we're grandparents or we are community members with a whole group of our population that will be starting back into school tomorrow. You talk about people that need shepherds. I don't think I've ever lived in a time that the world's not more chaotic, that our children, our next gen are under more pressure under more attack, under more confusion by the enemy. And I'm so grateful that we have a good shepherd that says, yeah, but you don't need to worry. I'll walk them right through the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. But we're walking with them every step and we need to know that the shepherd is with us and we need to know when they walk out the door, he's with them. And so I wanna pray for all three groups this morning. If you're here and you've never accepted the Lord, then we wanna lead in that prayer. If you wanna rededicate your life, and step back in for the first time in a long time, or just to sharpen that, we, we want you to pray along with us. And then we're gonna to conclude today by, uh, by joining in a community prayer, and we're gonna pray for all of our children. By the way, this is happening down in Next Gen. This is happening in our children's ministry department. We couldn't figure out how to get everybody in the same building, but we're gonna pray for us collectively, knowing that God joins all this together. Could you stand to your feet with me? <clears throat> Bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment. Nobody looking around. This is between you and the Lord legitimately. But response is so important to the Holy Spirit that we just don't let things be generic. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ or it's the first time in a long time or you want to sharpen yourself, I just want you between you and the Lord, just put your hand up and take it right back down again. We're not going to embarrass you. We're not going to pull you out out of your seat or anything. But uh, but let me just see who you are this morning. You want to be a shepherd. Yep, thank you for that. Anybody else? Yep, thank you for that. Anybody, anybody in the balcony? Very, very important. Yep, 
Okay, all right. Move to the next thing. If you're here this morning and you are a parent or a grandparent or you are very close to or uh, have a a, a special friendship or affinity or affection for someone who's starting school back tomorrow, doesn't matter whether it's preschool all the way up through university and graduate work, uh, let me see your hand this morning. Yeah. All right. We're going to join in prayer. The first part of the prayer, I want everybody to repeat after me. And if you're first, if you're going to accept the Lord for the first time, own this one. Uh, if you're rededicating, own this one. If you if you feel pretty confident in where you're at, then say it as a memorial and as a confidence of what the Lord's already done for you. Everybody say this, dear Lord Jesus. I believe that you are God's son. That you died on the cross for me. That you rose again on the third day. And that you really will wash all of my sins away. I not only accept you as my Savior today, but I accept you as my Lord. Be the shepherd of my life. Lead me, feed me, protect me, and preserve me from this day forward. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Now join me in this prayer. Agree with me, but also you speak some things that come to your mind. Lord, we pray for every one of our people that are starting back in the educational process this morning. Whether it's public school or private school or charter school or homeschool, Lord, any of these learning opportunities where they open up their heart and they open up their mind for information to come and begin to shape them. Lord, we call on the shepherd of our faith, the Lord Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit to be part of every one of those interactions. Lord, I speak that their spirit would fill up with wisdom and revelation, that their mind would have a filter on it and they would know what things are of the Lord and what things are not. And there would be an instinct from the inside out, a nudging from the Holy Spirit, leaning them one way or the next. Lord, I pray that you would hand select their friends, hand select the circles they run in, hand select who they sit next to in every one of their classrooms, hand select those so that all of those things are working together for their good and are shaping their life in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray for all of the parents and the uncles and the aunts and the grandparents that you would not only give them peace, but you would give them wisdom. You would give them a honing device on the inside so even before things are obvious, something on the inside would pick up on the radar and say something's not right. You would teach them how to pray and intercede and declare the Word of God so that the full force of the shepherd can come into play and you could lead every one of our children right through all the situations and circumstances right back into the house of the Lord. We declare according to Isaiah 54, Lord, that our children are taught of the Lord and great is the peace of our children spread across their whole life, top to bottom, inside to outside. They walk in the peace and the direction and the security and the safety of the Lord in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, amen, amen. Let's join our hearts back in worship this morning. Come on, can we thank the Lord for what he's done this morning? Yeah. again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for more messages. If you like what you're hearing, share it with your friends. For more content from Lakeshore and information on services, check us out at lakeshorecf.com.